0: O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, and you perceive all of my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways, and before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. And this knowledge is too wonderful for me and too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. For the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. If only God, you would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them my enemies. Search me, O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting this is god's word for god's people this morning let's pray together father i ask now that as we look at your word that you would speak to us and even in this unusual circumstance where we're connecting over the internet I pray that all of us would be connected directly to you and that you would minister to our hearts. Father, we're all in different places today, but you know exactly where we are and you are able to meet us there. So we pray that you would do that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to talk today about the importance of having our life grounded in the right place. Because part of being human is we need to have a life that's grounded in something that's bigger than us. We need to be connected to something that's larger than us, that's stronger than us, that's more stable than us. None of us are stable in and of ourselves. None of us are strong in and of ourselves. We need to be connected to something to give us the strength and the stability we need to make it through life. Something that gives us a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, a sense of significance, and our ultimate security. You know, as we go through the stages of life, we choose different things to ground ourselves in. You know, a young child absolutely needs a family, needs parents to give the child structure, to give the child safety, to give the child the provision he needs, to give the child the boundaries that they need. As we grow and develop, we grow past depending on our parents and being grounded in in our family of origin, and perhaps our educational system or our school provides that, or our job or our career provides that. Sometimes along the way, we find a particular cause that we ground our lives in, maybe a political cause, a social cause, an artistic cause that becomes the focus of our life for a time and also usually as we go through life we find a romantic relationship or we find romantic relationships from time to time that can provide a temporary grounding for our life as they come and as they go and then eventually we're on our own and and hopefully we find a career we find a family we find something bigger than ourselves that can sustain us and that we can build our roots into but what's universal is that every, at every stage of life, we've got to be grounded in something or we'll absolutely be blown away. In fact, the crises that we go through in life, by definition, are something we grounded ourselves in, something we have founded our life on, something we have built our life upon, that's taken away. And when that happens, we're in crisis until we find something new to find to bind our life in you know when a job or a career path hits a hits a bump we're going to be in crisis till we find a new job a new career path if a significant relationship hits a bump we might be in in a crisis till we find a new relationship to provide meaning and structure for our lives right now when we're in this this time of crisis in our nation with a plague running through our city and all of us sitting at home on a stay-at-home order it's one of those crises because it begs the question for all of us what are we grounded in so many of the things that we used to depend on are taken away perhaps we can't work or maybe our jobs been taken away the relationships and the social life that we used to have has been taken away The school that we used to depend on to educate our kids has been taken away for a moment. And the reality of life, though, is all of these stresses, all of these difficulties are an opportunity for us to move deeper, to reconsider what we're grounded in. Now, as you know, I'm a preacher and this is church. And so what I want to talk about today is what it means to find our lives grounded in God, and what it means to intentionally build a life that's founded or grounded in God. And the Bible gives us a roadmap for this, and I think one of the most useful passages in the Bible to help us do this and help us understand what this means is Psalm 139. This might be familiar to some of you. It's a popular psalm, a place that a lot of people go to for a lot of different things, but I think what it gives to me and what it shows me and what it can show all of us is the path to living a life that's grounded in God. So I want to offer this to you and show, show this to you as a tool that you might use as you work through the crises that your life is facing even today. And hopefully this can be a tool that you use to, to find, a strong and firm foundation in God himself. But this is not a one-time thing. This is a lifelong process for all of us. But I believe that the ideas in Psalm 139 provide us a roadmap for finding our grounding in God. The first thing I want you to see is when we're grounded in God, when we're personally grounded in God, it means that he knows us. He understands what is happening to us. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, and you perceive my thoughts from afar. Have you ever thought about the fact that we all need to be known? It's one of the things that drives us in every stage of life, whether it's a little kid taking his or her first steps, who wants to make sure someone is watching as they take those steps to a student who wants the teacher to notice the work that they're doing to a employee who wants the boss to understand how dedicated they they are you know you think of all the effort that some people put into social media to make sure that their photos are viewed to make sure that their photos are are liked why is it that we're like that it's because part of being human is the need to be known. We need to be known. We need to be seen. We need someone to recognize us. But the offer of the gospel, what God offers us, is the assurance that if we belong to him, he knows us. He knows our actions. He knows when we sit. He knows when we rise. He perceives our thoughts from afar. He discerns our going out and our coming back. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're trying to do God knows you and to be personally grounded in the fact that God knows you Will give you strength when your other relationships and your other connections start to falter All of us are desperate to be known by someone all of us are desperate to be seen by someone but the assurance and the hope of the person who's grounded in God is that they're known by Him. But not only are we personally grounded in Him, we're also spiritually grounded in Him. Sometimes life takes us to dark places, to confusing places, and, and life is hard. We fall into despair. But He anticipates that as well. It says, If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness, will not be dark to you. The confusing events of life can trigger despair, can trigger confusion in our life. And sometimes, for all of us, life leads us to a dark place, a place where we can't see what's coming next, where we're not sure of what's around us, and where we have every reason to fear that we're threatened by the things that surround us spiritually sometimes we refer to this as depression as anxiety being racked by fear being racked by guilt saint john of the cross wrote a whole book about this stage entitled the dark night of the soul and he says that part of our maturing process is finding ourselves in dark places and in those dark places finding that god is with us i know in the midst of this plague, in the midst of this challenge, a lot of us are in darkness about a lot of things. Maybe we're not sure what the future holds for our job or for our career. Maybe our finances have taken a huge setback. I know a lot of us are worried about our own health or the health of our loved ones or the future of our loved ones, maybe because they're sick or because they've, they've recently become unemployed. There's a lot of things that we're all in the dark about but the promise to the one who is grounded in god is that even in the dark places god is with us and when we say the darkness will hide us in other words we'll get lost in the darkness we know that even there god is with us the darkness will not be dark to him and the darkness will shine like the day and so there's a spiritual grounding that god offers to us when we find ourselves in the darkness so we're personally grounded in him we can be spiritually grounded in him and thirdly i want this says we can be physically grounded in him this plague has brought to light the weakness the vulnerability of our health but we all have a lot of challenges with our bodies whether we're worried about our looks we wish we were taller we wish we were shorter we wish we were thinner we wish we were thicker we wish we were smarter we wish we were or quicker or stronger, you know, and all of us go through life. I know a lot of people go through life always keenly aware of vulnerability. Some people go through life just recognizing that they're chronically going to be in pain or, or are going to be chronically disabled because of limitations that God has given us. And these earthly bodies we have can be sources of great frustration for all of us. But what this promises the person that's grounded by god is that the gifts and the struggles of our earthly bodies even that is under his control it says you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made everyone has physical challenges everyone is keenly aware of our physical weaknesses, and vulnerabilities. But this psalm invites us to surrender those to God. You need to understand that Christian spirituality isn't a denial of our physicality. It's not about saving our souls at the expense of our body. Ultimately, the Christian hope bound up in the Easter resurrection of Jesus is that God will redeem us, body and soul, in life, and in death, and that's the hope that we have. And so even as we struggle, he has a plan for our life. Can you hear me Nathan? Am I good? Okay. And so often as we go through life, it feels like life is let unsti- life makes no sense and it's just one random event after another. I mean, in January, how many of us thought that by March we would be in lockdown, we'd be Unable to leave our homes, you know, I know we had a calendar of church events and today We were going to have a big community outreach and we were hoping to get dozens or maybe hundreds of people from the community to come to The school where our church meets to have a big uh, a big game day and and party and, and have a lot of fun And obviously that would not be appropriate under the circumstances but when we're grounded in God we realize that God is writing a story that's more complex and more beautiful and greater than anything we can imagine and his plan for us is simply this he says all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass that, that's that's uh, number 4 nathan we're we're circumstantially grounded because we know that god has a plan for our lives and part of being human is recognizing that there's a lot about God's plan for our life that's incomprehensible to us right now. There's a lot about God's plan for our life that's different than our plan for our life. But that's not because our plan for our life is better than God's plan, it's because God's plan is greater than anything we could conceive. One of the things that strikes me as i read the bible is that all of the heroes of the bible all of the bible heroes had pretty difficult lives and as they were actually living their lives a lot of the things that happened to them were confusing and incoherent and it's only as we see their lives in the context of the big story of the bible that we can under begin to understand what god's plan was for all of them I mean, God told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, and then Abraham went decades and decades with his wife, Sarah, without having a child. God promised Joseph in a dream that he would be a great man and everyone would bow down to him, and then he was sold into slavery and ended up spending a decade in prison before he began to experience the reality of what God promised to him. And throughout the Bible and throughout history, the lives of people who have been used by God, who've had God's hand on their lives, has had this in common. A lot of confusing things, a lot of difficult things, a lot of things that are hard to explain happened in their life. But then as you go through the whole of their life, you begin to recognize that there was a plan for their life that was greater than anything they could imagine. And I don't know what God is doing in my life right now. I don't know what God is doing in your life right now. I don't know what the threat of this plague means for our personal stories. I don't know what the challenges to the economy mean for your career or for mine. But I do know this, that if you're grounded in God, if you're following Christ, then through you and in you, God is at work writing the greatest story ever told, and you are a key player in that story. Everything in your life, your challenges, your struggles, your pain, your loss, your disappointment, is part of a grand narrative that God is writing through your life that's going to be a witness to His glory. The reason we know this ultimately is because the greatest life, the most influential life, the most powerful life that was ever lived, was the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for all of the glory of his life, a birth that was announced by angels, a a life full of miracles that drew crowds of thousands to hear his teaching, his, his life ended with all kinds of confusion. Just when his disciples recognized that he was the Messiah that had come to redeem his people, his people rejected him. Just as they began to hope that he was going to set all of his people free, the people who had, the Roman Empire who had conquered his people, arrested him and put him through an unjust trial. Just when they thought that he was the powerful one who was going to bring heaven to earth, Jesus was nailed to a cross and there he died. And everybody thought that when Jesus died, his story was over. Everybody believed that when Jesus passed away, that would be the end of his ministry. Because a Messiah, by definition, was not someone who would be crucified. Rather, it was was someone who would be victorious. But you know the story. God worked through his suffering and even through his death, ultimately, to conquer death. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul talks about discovering this for himself. He says, he talks about going through a difficult time when he was under great pressure that was far beyond his ability to endure. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, and so we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. But we got through this and we realized that this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead." See, what Paul had to be reminded of as an apostle, and what all of us have to be reminded of when our life becomes confusing, when our life doesn't make sense, we got to be reminded that we're not self-sufficient, we don't depend on ourselves, and we're not writing our own story. God is writing our story, and we can depend on the God who resurrected his son from the dead and that same god will bring us new life from the dead when we trust in him so god is writing a new story through our life god has a plan for our life that's grander than anything we can imagine and when we're grounded in him we can be confident of that even when things go wrong or even especially when things go wrong we can trust in his story But this this doesn't mean that we're so, so disengaged from our immediate circumstances that we don't really care about what's going on around us, we don't care about the suffering or the struggles around us. In fact, this frees us up to be fully engaged in our circumstance and it frees us up to pray to God to work in the difficulties of our circumstance and in our confusion, we can look to God and believe that he is going to work things out. If we go to the next slide, the psalmist prays. This is kind of a jarring part of this psalm, if you look at it, but he's going through talking about this high ideal of God writing his story in a book and, and making him in his mother's womb. And then he says, but by the way, God, Life will be better if you would just slay the wicked, if you would get the bloodthirsty people away from me, all those people who speak of you with evil intent and your adversaries who misuse your name. See, David's grounding in God doesn't divorce him from the reality of the struggles that are happening all around him. It doesn't free him up to disregard the evil people around him. In fact, his grounding in God moves him to address those problems and to call out to God to make right the things that are wrong. See, David recognized that part of being being a player in this great adventure book that God was writing meant that He was going to have to face enemies. He was going to have to face dragons. He was going to have to face difficulties. Because a hero in a story doesn't live an easy life, doesn't live a serene life. But the hero in the story faces great obstacles, faces great adversaries, and overcomes them. And so for David, being grounded in God meant that he was fully engaged in the struggle that was around him, that he was ready to confront the evil that was around him. And that he was calling out to God and calling out to his countrymen to work, to make right the things that were wrong in the world around him. And so in this life, there is confusion in this life. There is difficulty, but in the midst of it, we can bring that confusion. We can bring that difficulty to God himself. See what David does here? He takes stock of the evil around him. He takes stock of the brokenness around him. He takes stock of his adversaries, and he brings that to God. He says, God, why don't you slay the wicked? Why don't you take away those who who are bloodthirsty? Why don't you make the things that are wrong right? And so as you try to live a life grounded in God, does, this isn't a call to ignore the problems in this world, but it's a call to be fully engaged in these problems as one who trusts in God. But as we live this out, as we find our physical grounding in God, as we find the plan and the circumstances of our life grounded in God, as we bring our confusion to God, as we as we surrender our, our personal lives to God, we can find fi- Ultimate security in him and ultimate openness as we resolve to trust him. Look at the the last point. We're grounded for eternity in God because we are known by him. David gives closes the psalm with this invitation to God. He says, God, search me and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me. In the way everlasting see we've come full circle at the beginning he celebrated the fact that god had searched him and that god knew him and now he's inviting god to further search him to know him and to and to continue to lead him and to guide him see this is a picture of total intimacy of being totally vulnerable with god because he knows that he's completely safe with God. He says, God knows his life. God knows his story. God knows his situation, and he can surrender all of these things to him. He's completely exposed before God, and yet he's completely accepted by God, not because he's flawless, not because he's perfect, not because he's done everything right, but because God knows him completely and accepts him just for who he is because he is God's beloved child. And this is the promise that's given to each of us, that God can search us, God can know us, and God can lead us if we embrace God's grace through the Son of David and the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we invite him to lead us into the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would show us what it means to be grounded in you, to live a life that's grounded in you in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of the crisis that everyone is going through right now. I pray that you would help us to reestablish the foundation of our lives in our connection with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.